Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. We now have a new website here at samplehour.com. So instead of the Sample Hour, which will soon just point to samplehour.com, you can go to the new website, samplehour.com. And from there, you'll see all the podcasts. And on the very right, you will see a photo for Kill Tony. So if you are in the Ohio, Indiana, Pennsylvania area, and Michigan, Kentucky, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So the Friday after Thanksgiving or Black Friday, we're going to be, we're going to have a Kill Tony show at the Arcade Comedy Theater. Now that show for the Pittsburgh show, has already sold out. So unfortunately, you will not be able to attend that one. However, the one in Columbus, we still have tickets. So there is a link. You'll see the poster of Red Band and Tony for Kill Tony. If you click on that, it'll take you right to a link to get tickets. So the first show is going to be the podcast. And then the po- the second, sh- there, then right after the podcast, there's a comedy show. If you guys aren't familiar with how Kill Tony works, um, you should definitely check it out. It's a great podcast. But anyways, um, there's, there's discounts now, so instead of paying $10 for the podcast, 15 for the comedy show, you can actually just pay 20 and go to both shows. So we'd love to see you guys out there. We can hang out, have, have a beer. Uh, but anyways, guys, so check it out. Come, come hang out at the uh, – come, come to the Woodlands Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday, the day after the Ohio State-Michigan game. We'll have a great time. Now, with that being said, guys, I hope you enjoy this show. What time uh-huh. it is? Yo, this joint right here is dedicated to wisdom. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these young cats think they know it all. I doubt that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. I really am tired of opening every podcast like that, but I just it just it's just how it comes out. So you know, deal with it. Anyways, just joking. Uh, today I am honored to have this gentleman on my podcast. I actually every now and again, sometimes twice a month, sometimes once a month, sometimes three times a month. He invites me on his radio show, and I get to come and co-host and um, interact with his awesome community. Um, this gentleman taught me through his radio show, actually, what an anarchist... Well, basically helped me realize that I was an anarchist. Um, this man is the co-owner and creator of the new Podcast Blast Off. Go to podcastblastoff.com. If you like my website, it's definitely... Um, it's it's pretty much what the next version of it. So my website was kind of a beta. I'm going to be moving a podcast blast off here soon. And I'll have a link. There should be a link at the right-hand side. And actually, by the time this comes out, this might actually be your launching on the new podcast blast off uh, format or not. Not sure. He is the host of Live Free FM. You can check out all of his work at livefreefm.com. Mr. Nathan Frazier, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me on. And that introduction made me sound a lot cooler than I actually am. <laughs> hey, man, I'm getting really good at introductions. I used to suck so much. And actually, when I did my introduction for Jeffrey Tucker, it was probably my 
worst introduction that I've done in a long time because I like got him on the line and I listened to him talk and I realized how smart he was and I felt very intimidated. And then I was like, well, let's see if I can, you know, not make him bored. And uh, he seemed to really enjoy the conversation. So that was a pretty cool, uh, cool time. But um, yeah, not a problem, sir. You deserve it. You are super cool. And I, I don't think people should, uh, should, should doubt that, man. So I think people should know that you're a badass motherfucker. I mean, that's the only way I can put it, man. And we could cuss on here, Nathan. We can't cuss on your show because it's on the radio. Yeah, uh, although sometimes the cuss words do accidentally spill out. Um, <laughs> Usually for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, me too. Man, I don't. Man, uh, so you probably remember when when uh, there was a different co-host and uh, oh, we had a yeah. little three oh. three episode. I, I was a part of episode one. And we yeah. uh, we're like, yeah, let's talk about investing because you and I are both aspiring entrepreneurs. You're like, yeah, let me get Drew on. We have this nice group conversation. And I thought it was just like trolling going on, which I thought was really funny until I realized that it wasn't trolling, that it was actually what this individual believed. And it was like, man, like that's kind of a, a tough thing to kind of uh, secretly. Uh... Anyways, we don't have to get into that right now. But anyways. No, but my point was, for for an episode or two after that, I did drop a lot of curse words, <laughs> and I, I try not to. I try not to because it is on the regular radio. But um, every once in a while, I just lose it too. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> I mean, it happens. I think it's uh, you know it's freedom of expression. I think the whole I sometimes I was thinking about it today, like because um, I'll like I'll cuss a lot in my posts, and I I know a lot of people like edit themselves and i feel like um you know i really like gene wilder and he stopped doing movies because it was too much special effects and he doesn't like the f word but i like respect his view but he comes from like a different generation but i feel like now it's like i think there's so much pc nonsense and bullshit that we have to i feel like that's my way to combat it is to to on purpose <laughs> i tried it i mean honestly like last night i didn't want to watch that debate and then I was just like, well, I'm going to watch it. And then I just like, kind of was like, well, let's just troll. Like, I'm just going to troll Bernie fans and Hillary fans on my Facebook timeline right now. And let's play You Rage, You Lose, the whole entire debate. And I don't know if I lost friends or not, but a lot of people seemed to like what I had to say. So I was like, well, this is not what I was hoping for, but it's still fun. Um Rule so, of authenticity or law of authenticity. The law of authenticity, man, which brings us to why we're here today. I mean, I, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast because it's not really fair that I come on your show on the time and I never have you on my show. So. I love having you on my show. I, I feel like I'm actually exploiting you by having you on so frequently. So I don't think so at all, man. I think I think it's 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 weird for me, and we've talked about this a lot because like your show is like my favorite podcast for a good year. Like from the time you were on Red Ice Radio for like a whole year and I felt like I was this annoying fan and uh, it was kind of fun. And then I had you on again and then lo and behold, you're like, hey, I'm going to be doing co-hosts. You want to be a co-host on my radio show? And I was like, no freaking way, man. This is crazy. It's like it's it's weird to think about, you know, getting started with a podcast and then getting to the point where like 
the person whose show you like the most is inviting you to be a co-host. It was a I I'm honored to be on, man. That's what I'm trying to say. But um, reason why we're here today is we have uh, I Nathan and I. You know, we're in this um, we're in a mastermind group together, which is pretty awesome, by the way. It's uh, he's just joking, conspiracy. Yeah, theorists. yeah, yeah. We're in a we're uh, we're elitists, and uh, so. Whoa. We meet secretly every Sunday and plot on how we're going to take over the world. <laughs> that is true. Or we just talk about um, pretty cool things. So anybody that's not familiar with it, Napoleon Hill talks about it and Think and Grow Rich. Um, and it definitely like was something that I wanted to do since I read Think and Grow Rich like eight, eight or nine years ago or eight or seven or eight years ago. And, and then like finally it's like, you know, I should probably do this stuff. Like it was kind of, you know, somebody once said to me, it's not how many books you get through, it's how many books get through to you. And I think books getting through to you is, you know, actually doing the stuff that they talk about, like, you know, whether it be writing down goals or anything. But I think, you know, um, something that you and I are both really into is, is you know, personal growth and self-development. And a while back, something that really kind of shaped my sales career for a while um, and kind of, and it never actually went away, even like when I was... Um, even when I, I maybe wasn't at like my my best in a sense, I would say was this book called The Go Giver. When I was actually, it was recommended to me in this this network marketing company I was in called Send Out Cards, which is actually a pretty cool service, and it's like probably the only network marketing company I ever did that wasn't slimy. But anyways, I'll give them a plug because they they brought me onto this book, and it's written by Bob Berg, and I said Nathan, you gotta listen to this book. And then you listen to it. It's a really short book. It's only like an hour long audio book. It's pretty much like a podcast. And um, so you read it and you're like, let's do a podcast on it. So here we are today, sir. And um, so, yeah, how do we want to do this review of this book, Nathan? We should probably talk about this before the show. But, you know me, I like making it organic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think uh, let's just start by giving a quick summary of what the book is about and then we can kind of get into each law, I think, would be a good way to approach it. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, well, do you want to start out with, with how the book starts? Do you want to take it from here? Uh, yeah, well, I, I really like, uh, the, the, the main thing I really liked about the book was it kind of flies in the face of what most people think of when they think of sales and when they think of capitalism in general, which is that the people that excel in the business world or the people that are you know, going to take as much as they can. And, and the go-getters are really the go-takers. And that's how you get ahead a in the world is by taking and taking and taking. And the book actually takes that idea and flips it and, and puts it on its face and really gets into why, if you really want to have long-term success, it's all about giving rather than taking. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, it, that that's a great summary, and I I think um so I mean the book what the book's about it's about this guy he's in sales, he's coming in his third quarter, and uh, there's this older gentleman he works with, and this gentleman, he knows has some 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 comp tax with deep pockets, so he wants to to get to know this guy, hoping that he can either you know set up this big account, help him hit his number, or he can um you know he. he or something he wants he's doing add it. some he wants to add some clout to his uh yeah to his to his uh selling proposition exactly and so um he's got this big account he's working on 
And so uh, he, he asked the guy, hey, can you, can you set up a meeting for me and him? And he goes, yeah, I definitely can. So uh, the gentleman's name, he's, what is he? Uh, what is the guy's name? This Pindar. Is a, Pindar. Yeah, Pindar. And so he meets with Pindar, and it turns into this thing where Pindar is like pretty much wants to mentor him because that's the type of guy he is. And so each day of the week, he, he meets with this guy, and he wants to teach him these, these values, and he calls them the five laws of stratospheric success. And the first day... Oh, before we jump, yeah, yeah, before we jump into that, um, he promises to teach him these five laws, and he says that each day he's going to introduce, the, he's going to introduce Joe, the the main protagonist of the book. He's going to introduce Joe to a different person in his life each day that exemplifies these five laws, and the laws are very counterintuitive. Especially, what I really like about the book is. I've noticed myself whenever we're whenever we're introduced to businessmen in the media or in the public education system it's always like Mr. Burns the greedy Jew that's that's clicking his fingers together and counting his money Scrooge McDuck diving in his big giant vault full of gold coins and he goes through and shows all these highly successful people that actually are the exact opposite of what most people have been programmed to think success is or what success is all about. And so as he goes through, he takes Joe as he takes him on and mentors him each law that he's going to explain. He, he, he introduces Joe to these different people that show that these laws actually work in real life. Yes. And, um, and it's, it's pretty cool. So the, the first law, um, and and I agree, man. That's something that I kind of want to talk about too. Like, just not to 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 like get too off topic of the book, but like, it is kind of weird that like in the in like mainstream media and not. I don't want to say that because people say that all the time. I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, a doomsday porn seller. Um, but like a lot of times in like movies and stuff, you always see, and in like entertainment, you always do see rich people being these evil people and everything else like that. And I just know from my personal experience, like the, some of the most successful people, like want to help people if those if the people are willing to learn and they're they they actually are genuine and they're not just you know looking for a handout or just like coming at them with bad energy and like and I've had a lot I've been mentored by a lot of people that were a lot more successful than me, um, or, or that were very successful in where I wanted to be, and I think it was just because I always came with like a humble attitude. I'm sure you can you can say the same thing. Um, uh, can but, I jump in real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up dirt poor, and I grew up in very low income communities. And what I've noticed is there are inside of like successful communities, there are people that are shit and will screw over their best friend in order to get an extra dollar, put a knife in their own mother's back to get an extra dollar. They're rare though. They're not like, that's not what the majority of people that are successful that I have met don't usually fit that. But I have met some people that have acquired a little bit of wealth that way, but it's usually very short lived. Yeah. I also, there's this, well, hold on one second. Oh yeah, you're fine. There's also this narrative of like the virtue of poverty 
that poor people are better than rich people and wealth is something that's bad and that, uh, that there's some virtue about growing up poor. And um, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that either. I've known a lot of very giving, very caring poor people, but I've also known a lot of poor people that were just shit people as well. So you get good people and shit people on both ends of the spectrum. The, the Go-Giver as a book itself really shows how if you understand and you're success-driven, how being a, a giving, caring person can actually result in, in stratospheric success rather than uh, the people that are success-driven that screw people over uh, where they usually aren't able to get above a, a particular glass ceiling that is basically put there by their own actions. Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, and I, I would say, too, you know, something you were saying, too, I think a lot of times... Uh, you know, some people just, some people are just greedy and some people are just desperate. And I think, you know, I've come across people that, you know, would lie and try to take advantage of me. And I don't even think they realize that that's what they were doing. And it's, which is just kind of like a weird thing. But anyways, not to get too far off topic of the book. So what do you say we get into some of these values, Nathan? These laws? These laws. Yeah. Well, everybody knows I'm, I'm super awesome about laws. You really are. For anybody, yeah. So, and okay, so here's one thing. Uh, the reason why I said values, the first law is the law of value. And so your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. And um, in the book, there's this cool, so the, he goes to a speech and there's this uh, lady. That's that's way later. Is it? Yeah. What am I? I feel like are are you? Uh, first, he goes to the guy that uh, used to be the hot dog. You're totally dealer. right, man. I don't know why I got those two. I don't know why I got those two confused. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, man. Now the hot dog guy. Here, you take over, man. I don't know why I got this confused. I did just listen to this book last week. I don't know what's wrong with me. Keep going. I, I'll be honest. Since you sent me the book, I've listened to it probably like five or six times. So. Oh, okay. Well, it's um, all, all you, bud. I love the book. It's awesome. And I would totally, I give it a glowing recommendation. Um, but yeah, his, the, his first, his first thing is, um, the first thing that he teach that, is it, is it Pindar? Pindar. Yes. Yeah. The first thing that Pindar teaches Joey introduces him to this chef who started his own restaurant. And the reason he started the restaurant is because he started out as a hot dog dealer, a, a <laughs> hot dog cart guy. And one of the things I loved about the story was when they're, when they're introducing him and they're like, so how did you get started? And he's like, well, it was kind of difficult. I had to, I started out as a hot dog vendor and actually paying taxes and, and licensing fees cost more than everything else to start up my, to start up my business. And I felt like that was a little jab at, at over-regulation of, of, uh, of the food industry, that being somebody that's worked in the food industry for a long time. God, it's so over-regulated. Absolutely. Um, and, and actually, on a side note, not to get too far off, I think this is interesting that Obama's own economic team, that what they could do to spur job growth, came back saying that there's too much licensing. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you. I have a friend that, that uh, does hair. And in order to do things that she does, she has to get licensed for things that she doesn't even do. She, she has to get licensed on fingernails. She has to get licensed on manicures, on pedicures. She has to get licensed on like all kinds of ridiculous things just to do people's hair and 
she she spends almost as much in licensing as she does as she gets in. So she's barely breaking even right now, and she's trying to start her own business. And all these regulations are just complete bullshit. And especially in the economy we're in right now, government needs to just get out of the way. And that was one of the things that they didn't come out and say it, but they kind of hinted at the hardest thing for this guy to get to get his business off of the ground was complying with the government dictates. And this guy was, this guy was such a giving person and, and a great businessman. And still the one thing that almost stopped him from being able to do it was the government regulations. Yeah. That was a great part of it. So anyway, so he, he talks about that. And, um, and before we started talking about how much we dislike government, which we always seem to, which is great. Um, <laughs> the next part of the book is what? So he goes in there he uh, he's he's talking to the guy about how he got started in his business. You were saying something, and I and I misdirected you. Oh well, he says that uh, he says that when he started his little hot dog business, it was more about the environment rather than just the hot dogs. And he always made sure to remember his customers' names. He remembered their favorite colors. He remembered what kind of hot dogs they liked. And he was always willing. It wasn't just about selling a hot dog and getting money. It was about providing a great dining experience for his hot dog customers, which later translated into him having this five-star restaurant. But the whole way from, from a hot dog cart all the way to this five-star restaurant is almost the majority of his success depended on and, and was driven by the fact that he was constantly giving as much as he possibly could to his customers. And it's counterintuitive because like Joe, the, the, the hero of the book um, says is, this, so that seems like a great way to go bankrupt, constantly giving more than you're receiving. But uh, it was it was about what value you can provide. So whereas a lot of people look at businessmen and say businessmen just take and take and take, this this showed that in order to be a successful businessman, you do need to take some money, but you need to give as much as you can. Otherwise, people aren't going to come back and do business with you. That's the truth. And I just want to say... Like a real life example for me, and this is going to sound silly, but I was a young kid living with my brother and I was still in college and we used to always go to this little Ameristop and there's this dude, Sanji. And I don't think Sanji like would ever not be there, but Sanji was like one of the best salespeople I ever met because he knew, he didn't even know your name, but he would give you a nickname sometimes. Like he gave me a nickname or he'd just say, hey buddy. And he'd ask you, how's everything going? And he'd always talk to you and he would look at you and he genuinely wanted to know how things were going, how work was that day and everything like that. And he had this huge customer base from the little neighborhood and everybody liked going there. Now, he could have probably gone to the the uh, chain um, gas station that was right next door, but everybody would go to the Ameristop because of the experience and the value that he bought. Like. Most of the stuff, honestly, at Sanji's spot, I mean, alcohol was state minimums, but most of the stuff was like food and everything was more expensive, but we would want to go there just because we wanted to support his business. So I guess if that's kind of like a good, good um, real life example. Yeah. And it's, it's like, uh, if all things are equal and you've got two people that are offering you the same thing, the person that you know, like, and trust is the one that you're going to go do business with. And if somebody needs something and you know two people that provide that something, the person that you know, like, and trust more is the one that you're going to send your friend to when they need something from one of those two people. So if you're the businessman that's always just taking as much as you can, 
versus the guy that, you know, if I, if I, if I had two friends that provide something and I had one experience with one and a different experience with another, and the one experience I felt like the guy just took as much as he could from me. And the other one, I felt like the guy gave me as much as he possibly could. When my friend comes to me and says, Hey, I need this particular service field. I'm going to send them to the guy that has proven himself to be somebody that gives. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I know I'm going to trust his experience. Like I'm going to trust that, you know, this, this guy's going to make, he's going to make sure you get taken care of. Like that's the bottom line. He's that's going to, that's his bottom goal. Um, because it's, you know, and I don't think, and I would think too, you know, when you go in business just to make money, I don't think that, you know, you're, you are going to succeed because unless, unless you can, uh, Unless you can lobby the government to put all your competition yeah. out of business. <laughs> or you could just commit fraud all the time, like on Wall True. Street and everything else <laughs> like that. Uh, but, you know, if you're like a legitimate small business owner, you're starting out as a small business, and then you look to, to you know, to expand and everything else like that, like, you know, people are going to know if you're just in this for the money. And actually, like, you know, when you're not going to, when you face adversity, you're going to know if you're just in it for the money or not, like I, I personally, anything I do, I want it to be value, whether it be a comedy show. Like I want people to have a good experience. I think, you know, a, a big reason why we had a lot of success and we got a lot of trust from comics, you know, just speaking on behalf, like just, you know, our comedy club in Toronto was because like when we, when these comics would come, usually like the standard practice of these, these clubs are, you know, they'll pay your, you pay your way there and then they give you a check. So for us, we're like, well, we're going to put you and they, they might put you in a hotel, you know, we're going to pay your way. Um, we're going to put you in a hotel. We're going to take you out to dinner. Um, we're going to, and we're going to make sure like we, we treat you like the way that we think you should be treated. Like we think that you're a great entertainer. So we want to treat you in the way that a fan would want to treat you. But you know, now, but we actually have a business relationship you know, so we had a lot of, we have, a, we, we gain this, like, we gain this relationship with comics because comics wanted to come and do business with us. And, and that, we keep going, sorry. Oh, that's, that's okay. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say that actually translates into something that's not really covered in this book, but is something that I've learned from the different business ventures that I've been involved with, which is when you treat, or when you treat your creative talent that comes to your establishment when you treat they're basically working for you and when you treat them the employee for you know a, a little a, a little bit of time or whatever when you treat them so well they're going to turn around and they're going to they're going to communicate that to your audience so by treating the people that are working for you very well they're going to turn around and treat your customers very well and when things that I've noticed in co in companies that I've worked for that didn't treat the employees very well. They didn't turn around and treat the customers very well. And that leads to a downward spiral where the companies tend to end up going out of business because they don't treat the employees well. The employees don't treat the customers well. The customers don't come back and spend money. Yeah, absolutely. I even think just in like my sales jobs, like, you know, giving a customer a good experience. I think, you know, and, you know, being in telecommunications, as long as I have, it's such a cutthroat business. And it's like everybody, you can, you can get, you can get a cell phone anywhere. And I remember I was at Verizon and, you know, and so what, what was going to make it so people would want to come and do business with me? Cause it wasn't going to be price. You know, they had to know that I was going to make sure that 
you know, not only when they, you know, when they got their new phone that they got the device they liked, but that they would get, you know, the right plan for them and they would get that. And it, and it was really just, I mean, and I think just sales and I think just business is about is listening. I think just success in any venture is about listening to your customer base and figuring out what they want and really catering to their needs. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, and I, and, it, and I think that's, um, you know, that's something that we all talk about quite a bit. And that's, I mean, it quite honestly, I mean, that's, that's really what podcast blast off is. I mean, that was something, <laughs> I mean, it really is though. If you think about it, like it was something that started from us being podcasters and being like, oh, well, I mean, I didn't have a website forever. And because I didn't, I didn't want to mess with it. I'm not, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good user of technology. I understand technology. I get what makes a lot of technology better than others and stuff like that. But I'm not good at, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a technician. I, I can't build a computer. I'm not very good with hardware. Pretty good at installing software and getting software to work and get my machine, my machine the way to work. But, you know, I'm not a code writer. I'm not anything like that. I'm a, I'm a good user, in my opinion. So I, building a website, like I started to, and I got Squarespace, and it was a pile of crap. And you and I had talked about doing a website before, and I was like, hey, man, really need a website. And then we, we'd kind of done this thing, and you were like, hey, man, I'm actually, I'm actually trying to build this, 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 this um, database. So not only will you, you know, host your own website, but you'll have your own, um, you can host your podcast there, and you can literally do everything from your, in a one-stop shop. Because like if the other alternatives, there's Libsyn, and Libsyn is like what a lot of people use, but you can't, you know, there's no website and or Podomatic. There's no website. So the biggest podcast podcast hosting services, there's not a website to go with it. And I think so then you then you got to use, you know, WordPress, which has security issues or Squarespace, which, you know, the whole thing is, is you know, everybody can do it, but it's not going to, you know, a lot of times it's going to look OK or look like shit. And so I think, you know, that's, that's really what it is. It was, you know, you saw a problem and you, you, with business created a solution. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was one of those things where I, it was a problem that I had and we solved it for me. And then it was a problem that you had and we solved it for you. And then we had a couple other podcasters that were like, Hey, can you do the same thing for us? And it was like, we're doing this over and over again. And obviously people like it. Why don't we do this as good as we can just one time and then we'll improve on it obviously as we go forward. But yeah, it was, it was something where we were providing a lot of value for people. People were saying that they appreciated it. And so we decided to figure out how we could provide the most value to the most people. And that brings us right into the second law, which is the law of compensation. Your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. At the time, the old model that we were doing, we were building a website at a time, one for me, one for you, one for other people. And we were only able to serve one person at a time. And, and we decided to change the whole business model by saying, how can we build this so that we can serve as many podcasters as we can possibly serve at a time? And that's hopefully going forward, it, it's going to be a better product. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll pay off so that we can reinvest that money into making it even better. But um, that was really the main, the main idea of translating from a single one-off website to turning it into a subscription service 
was to do exactly what the second law says is make sure that we can serve as many people as possible. And in the book, he, he's talking about a, a, a teacher who was, again, a slight jab at the government, was very, very frustrated with the way that the school system was all about teaching to the test and having children regurgitate facts. And this teacher was not satisfied with it. So she decided to come up with her own curriculum and wasn't able to give it to the schools the way she wanted to. So she decided to do kind of what we did with Podcast Blast Off. She decided to turn it into a software-based solution and get it into the hands of, instead of just one classroom, she's been able to take her, her teaching materials and put it in the hands of millions. And he talks about how, as, as a teacher that was teaching one class at a time, she was being fairly compensated for it. But by taking it to that level where she asked herself, how can I take this value that I have and get it out to as many people as possible? She was able to get way more success in what she was doing. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I mean, in a lot of times, I mean, that's it, you know, how many people can you help? And I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think in, in any business, I think, you know, I mean, here's an example, man, and this might, I hope sometimes it makes sense in my head, but when I say it, it doesn't. And I think, you know, another, another example is this. So, uh, and let's look at just freedom and, and, and kind of like how piracy, like things, things that are illegal are, it's usually because there's a market that it's just waiting to be capitalized. So let's look at MP3 downloading, right? So everybody used it. At first, there was Napster, then there was Audio Galaxy, then Kazaa, and then a bunch of different peer-to-peer sharing things. And no matter how many they shut down, they kept popping up. So Steve Jobs has, uh, you know, commits tyranny amongst his employees, gets these people motivated. They create the iPod, and then they did something that revolutionized the way that music was being, the way music was sold, which was iTunes. So basically what he did was he he took an online format that, you know, for people that maybe didn't want to get busted by the government and he, he created he created a way to serve a bunch of people to get music digitally. Because a lot of people didn't want to go to media play when it was going out of business. I still hate going to Best Buy. So and it's just kind of the whole thing. Like, you know, there's when you, you find a need and you you fulfill that need with some value and then and then you're compensated for it and, it, and the more value you can provide to more people you're going to get compensated for so look at stocks um today when you look at apple's stock compared to microsoft like microsoft is it, it's crazy to see how much that apple has grown and you know and i'm not going to say that apple is some saint company because i, I definitely don't think that but the reason why you know they have such a cult is because they they provide value for people that um uh how do i want to finish this they they do provide value for a lot of people and they and they look at you know niches that were were people that that make things more convenient for people and and well they also have this is one one of the things that i think uh gosh i don't know if if it was seth godin in all marketers are liars or if it was him in um oh gosh uh one of his books, one of Seth Godin's books, Tribes, I think, he talks about how Apple really... And, and there's another book called Start With Why. I can't remember who wrote that book, but all three of those books really emphasize on the fact that Apple 
was about finding a, a core audience that identified a certain way, which was a bunch of people that were rebels. What they did with iTunes was very rebellious against the classic model of going to the record store and buying an entire CD. And, and they were saying, hey, we're sticking it to the big record companies while they were also still paying <laughs> the big record yeah. companies. But they, they really, they, they took on this persona of the rebellious person who's, who's trying to empower themselves at, at the expense of, you know, taking this technology that the big boys have had and now putting it in your pocket and uh, breaking free from the control that the big boys have had, even though they have kind of become the big boys themselves now. But um, that was that was something that they definitely did. They provided a lot of value to a lot of people and they communicated that value very well. And so, I mean, they they did good. The The thing about it is, is oftentimes good companies with a good why at the beginning of their careers sometimes uh, they get really big and they attract a lot of people that uh, maybe know how to make money but don't understand the basic concepts that are in this book which is keep giving back to your customers keep giving back to your associates keep giving back to the people that you are networking with and um, a lot of companies seem to forget that but it's almost a vital important thing to understand before you start a company. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think what happens is that the people that actually innovate in a lot of companies, um, when innovation leaves and it just becomes a bunch of bean counters, then usually the company's more about the bottom line and they lose sight of what got them to be where they are. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm trying to figure out a way that we could transition into the next law Let's uh, just jump into it. Let's law just number jump three. into it. The law of influence. And, uh, and the law of influence, is that, that was the lady that I nope, was talking about? the law about? of influence that was, was yeah, the... Yeah, that's the law of authenticity. What the hell's wrong yeah. with me? The law of influence was the, uh, I think, the accountant or the gentleman that handled their money. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I can't really remember too much about his it says so on wiki it says the law <laughs> on wiki it says the law of influence your influence is determined by the uh, the or by how abundantly you place other people's interests first um i cannot really remember what i can't, I can't remember it either so read the book we're not going to spoil that one <laughs> yeah, they kind of they kind of maybe just glazed over that they, one. I, it just didn't stick to me as well as the other ones. They kind of did, yeah. And I and I and for some reason it didn't for me either. But I mean, so basically, the law of influence. Like we kind of we kind of did talk about that a lot. But I think networking networking is is everything. Um, and and providing value to your network. One of the things that um that he talks about, and this is something that I I, I try to. Even before reading this, this is something that I've always tried to do. And a big part of the reason why I, I invited you on to my show, I joke that I'm exploiting you, but I do kind of feel like that in, in a certain way. I see a lot of potential in you. And I think that you can grow a lot as a, as a broadcaster and as somebody who can take your sales skills and, and bring it into whatever you're doing. And I think that, I think that um, having you in my network is, is something that I consider very valuable. So I have done as much as I could um, from helping you out with your audio quality to inviting you into the mastermind group. You've proven to me that you're somebody that is, like you said, you feel like you've met mentors before that saw something in you and wanted to invest in you. 
I want to invest in you. And um, the thing about the, the law of influence is you have more influence the more people you invest in. So yeah. when, when, uh, when, when you're out there giving to all of, all of the people in your network, the more that you're giving, even though it does kind of seem counterintuitive, you give and you give and you give. But the fact is, is people like that. And so the more that you give to other people, the more likely they are to want to give back. It's reciprocity. And um, I am going to one day call in a bunch of favors from you. <laughs> Not a problem, man. I try to help as much as I can. I mean, one thing, um, you know, networking, I think, has been everything, man. I think, uh, you know, something that I learned the importance of networking, I would say... When I was, I worked, I was a lifeguard at this athletic club and it was like this nice athletic club in Columbus. Um, and I worked there for a couple years, few years actually. And I loved it there. Like I loved dealing with the members. I wanted to make people feel special. And like, it's kind of weird. I didn't realize that I, what I was doing and why people liked me, but it was, it was and it mainly, you know, and I, and I think it, it's, it's going to have a lot to do with the next law. But, you know, something for me has always been, you know, I want to, if there's always, I always wanted to know if somebody was good at something, I wanted to know why. Like, I didn't normally, I was never somebody that would, and I don't want to say that because I have, I've definitely learned a lot from being in a situation to where I was jealous of something that somebody had or jealous of of their success and then I, I just realized that all I would do is be miserable if I kept that up so instead of getting jealous what I realized that I really needed to do is just humble down and figure out you know what they were doing you know what what made you good at this and usually it was nothing special like most times I think people are really good at something not because of anything special but just because that they they paid attention and then they mm -hmm. realize that like in, in anything, whether it be podcasting, whether it be sales, whether it be doing doing art, which I'm not good at visual art. So I still think that's pretty phenomenal when people can do some stuff with art that I can't do because I can't draw or anything like that. I could probably learn to or I could probably learn to play music, but it, it was never like a passion for me. But networking was always a passion, like introducing people to other people that could mutually benefit from and, and stuff like that. Like. That was always that was always fun for me, and um, but basically when I was a kid, I remember I, I started working there, and then I got my one older brother a job there, and then I got my other bro older brother a job there, and then when my oldest brother needed to get a real job, I got him a job from one of the members who needed a truck driver, and I said, oh well, my brother drives trucks, and then it's always connecting the dots, and I think like whenever you're a good networker, you always listen. And that's one key thing in any friendship is listening to people and or any relationship is just listening to what people are saying. And then, you know, if they if they have a need or, or something that you can help them fulfill them with, you try to connect the dots for them. Because the, the biggest thing, you know, something that I've learned because I, I do these podcasts um, once a month or every month, every, uh, every other month with my friend Charles C. Smith. Um, and in his book, which was something that I was already starting to figure out. You know, he's, he's older than us, and, and he said, you know, the biggest thing that you're, anything that you need, you're going to find in, like, your loose network of friends. And so when you think about, like, your loose network, that's 
who who I know, and for me and Nathan, it's 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 the people that we know, and then the people that our friends know or that our people know, and that's kind of like your loose network. So maybe Nathan doesn't know a guy that might know something, have something that I need, but maybe Nathan knows a guy that knows a guy or something like that. And it sounds silly, but in reality, I mean, you could get a lot. I mean, even just starting my business, like with the the farming business. So. I wanted to get a truck, but I never have paid more than, than like a thousand dollars for a car ever. And I've always found good cars for like a thousand bucks. Usually they're they're older trucks, they're older model cars that can run well. So for a while I drove a bunch of Oldsmobiles. Um and it was mainly because my grandpa was really thrifty and he knew how to get cars cheap and he kind of taught me how. So then I bought the most expensive car I ever bought was thirty five hundred dollars. It was a sweet cavalier. And I almost killed myself driving it in a snowstorm. And then I got a car from the same guy for a thousand bucks because that was all the dealership was going to give him. He knew I needed a car. And I said, Well, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And he said, Deal. So he didn't think that car would last a year. I made it last for like five years and it's still working. And then I was looking for a truck and I was beating my head against the wall, looking for deals on Craigslist, looking there. And then um, I was on a podcast with my friend Ray Taylor. And Ray's like, hey, my co-host Keith needs a truck. And I was like, I've been looking for a truck. So I wanted to spend a thousand bucks. And I said, Keith, how much do you want for that truck? He goes, Well, because you're a friend, a thousand bucks. And it's just, and it's just like, you know, the things you need, you're gonna find. Like so one of your friends is probably looking to get rid of. Another thing I got was a rototiller. So we were looking for a rototiller. We almost bought one a couple times on Craigslist. I bought a wood chipper and I paid too much money. Well, it was a good deal, but then it bro- It wasn't. It, I I got screwed, and then I was looking for this rototiller, and then I was like, "Oh, my grandpa has a rototiller," and I was like, "Hey, Paul, you want to give me that rototiller?" And he goes, "No," and then he called me. He goes, "Do you want to buy that rototiller?" And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "150 bucks. It's a rototiller that would probably cost $600 brand new, and it's a Craftsman. It's gonna it's gonna work forever." So, I guess the whole point of what I'm saying is, is like you know, I've investing in people can be anything. It's just building a relationship, being a friend. Like Nathan and I talk, I mean, honestly, we, whenever we talk, it's usually for like 45 minutes to an hour. We usually bullshit a bunch. We have a good time. We genuinely enjoy talking to each other. We don't, we don't agree about everything, but we really appreciate the other person's perspective. We'll be like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And it's, it's a really good friendship. And Nathan and I have never even met each other before, like face to face. And but like the whole thing is though is like we try to invest value in each other. We try to provide value to each other. We try to really um, bring uh, you know all these laws to each other. And we didn't even realize that we were doing it. So I got on that big soapbox there, man. But I hope that no, all tied in together. It's it's perfect. And I really just want to add one thing to it. And this is probably going to turn some people off and make me and th- make them think less of me. I don't really care. Um, I would say that while you're, this is the law of influence, your influence is determined by the, or by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. And I agree with that in my, in my uh, day-to-day nine-to-five job. um, I have very good um, credibility with my customers. I, I have a lot of people that will only come to me for specific things. Uh, but and in my network of people as well, um, I, I know that I try to provide as much value to people in my network of people as well. Um, but at the same time, 
this is something that I have learned. And this is something that I've learned from growing up the way that I did. There are a lot of people out there. And, and again, I, I hate to harken back to this again. And I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but it's not just sleazy businessmen that'll, that are guilty of this. I've known lots of people that grew up in poverty that are the exact same way where they'll take and they'll take and they'll take and they'll take. And they're just like vampires. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, one thing that I've noticed is I try to be as giving as possible, but at the same time, I'm, I'm selective about who I give to now. And I try to be as giving as possible to everybody when I first meet them. But when, when I get the feeling that somebody is just a vampire, I know not to give to that person anymore. And, and, Somebody might say, well, that's not very Christian of you, Nathan. <laughs> that's okay because I'm not a Christian. Yeah. But, but the, the fact is, is I do believe in giving, but I also believe in being careful about who you give to. And this is, this is why I believe more in charity and I believe in mentoring and I believe in networking way more than I believe in just taxing people and, and giving equally to everybody because there are people that are just vampires and uh, I don't believe in giving to those people. But and it's not like uh, you need to be selective to, to who you give to to make sure that you can actually get something back from them. It's not that at all. It's if you've only got so much to give, which all of us, we've only got so many days in the hour or so many hours in the day, so many days in the week. We've only got so much emotional energy. We've only got so much uh, physical energy. We've only got so much money that we can give. And it's it's like if we're out in the garden and we're choosing to water plants and we notice that one section of the ground is just covered with weeds. And every time we, every time we put our water there, bunches of weeds sprout up and it gives us that much less water to put in other areas where these plants are going to, are going to grow up and be fruitful as the person holding the water, like all of us are holding our energy, our money, our, our um, ability to help others as the person holding that water, you do need to be conscious about where you're pouring the water to, 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 to be effective in the law of influence. It's not just abundantly provide for everybody. It's abundantly provide for the people that aren't just going to spit in your face afterwards. It's, it's, it's not about just throwing pearls in front of everybody. Make sure that when you're throwing pearls, you're not throwing them in front of swine. And I hate to compare people to swine, but some people are swine. No, man, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I mean, somebody said to me a long time ago, don't go where you're needed, go where you're deserved. So give your attention to where it's deserved. Give your charity to where it's deserved. And I think, you know, one thing for me that, you know, I think anybody, I posted something on Facebook a while ago about, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits and charities that don't do anything for their cause. Like, Susan B. Coleman barely does anything. American Cancer Society barely does anything. The Red Cross. I mean, so like a lot of that money that's going into the charity isn't going to their cause. And you can look this stuff up. And I think it's important that people do. And I think, you know, when you were saying believe in a charity, you know, something I always believed in is, you know, if, you know, charity, I mean, so reading The Millionaire Next Door, which is a totally different book, but, you know, something that it says like, most of the successful affluent, their their favorite charity is themselves, and um and 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 it's kind of a weird thing, but it's you know when I look at that, to me, what that says is that you know you're looking out for yourself. I mean, you have to. It's it's kind of like when you when I was taught to be a lifeguard, 
you don't want to jump in the pool with someone if they're drowning. That's the last thing you want to do because they're going to try to drown you with them because they're scared and they don't know what you're doing. And I think even in life, I think that's that, that's a good lesson, man. I mean, look, you can't, some people don't want to be helped and some people don't don't want to listen to what you have to say. Some people aren't going to appreciate your time. Some people aren't going to appreciate the value that you're trying to give them. So don't give it to them. I mean, they, they don't want but, it, so don't give it to them. But the people that do appreciate it and the people that do take that water and turn it into a beautiful flower, yeah. make sure you're make sure you're giving them as much as you possibly absolutely. can. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um I think, you know, don't give attention to the to the people that are just complaining. I mean, look, you know, if you're in business, yeah, if somebody complains, you're gonna try to meet their needs, but don't be afraid to say, Look, I don't I don't wanna do business with you anymore. Like my friend Curtis Stone doesn't do business with anybody that he can't hug. And I think that's like an awesome an awesome thing. I mean, like I, I give people hugs, so it's not a big deal to me. If you don't hug, maybe handshake or something or smile at her. I don't know. But, you know, and I think that's a good way to, to live by. I think, you know, I don't I don't want to associate with people that I don't that I can't hug. I mean I mean if look, if my friend hates hugs, I'm not just gonna force my hugs on him because that would be very <laughs> hug not, rape, rape culture. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's like that's the whole point I'm trying to make is, you know, you, you know, you know, go, go, you know, I think don't go where you're needed, go where you're deserved. I mean, you know, there's a lot of wasted charity that can happen if somebody doesn't want to help themselves, man. So, and I think, so that's, you know, bringing it to the next law, which is the law of authenticity. And this is where I started out in the book. And for some reason, this lady, this part of the book really was like crystal clear to me for some reason, like sitting, I think maybe it's because I've been in a lot of rooms where there's people in the front of the room telling a story and it's and it's resonated with me or it's moved me. And basically in the book, there's a character like on this this guest, this lunch date. Um, Pinder takes Joe and she she is um basically She's an estate an estate salesman. Yeah, and she's like a real estate person, an estate salesman. And but before that, like she she didn't know how how like basically she didn't know how she could provide value and um you know she her 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 husband left her and she she talks about she didn't realize how that was a, a big gift and i think a lot of reason why this lady's story kind of resonates is because in the book what they're trying to say is you know don't stick out a bad relationship or don't don't stay in a relationship just because you don't know what it's going to be like without it you know and it's if you're miserable you know something else that somebody used to say to me is people would rather live in a live in a known hell than explore an unknown heaven and and i think that's you know and i think that's the truth and so basically so this lady she she becomes a real estate person she she learns every sales skill every every kind of hacky clothes and sales that you can but then when she finally gets her first sale it's because she's just herself with the person because she knew she was she thought she was going to quit so she didn't care she stopped putting this pressure stopped stop being kind of in analysis paralysis and she just started being herself and i think you know one thing that i think for you and i and i think a good example of this is why we've been successful in podcasting and, and getting guests and and really networking out and branching our podcast out and expanding our 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 guest network and 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 everything else like that is because we're authentic like we are who we are like we're not you know when you talk to nathan and i not on this show like this is who we are as people. Like, look, I might troll some people on the internet because I think it's funny, 
and maybe <laughs> I, I like to contribute to, to troll culture. And because I think that troll culture, I actually think is a good thing. But um, but I'm a I'm a nice guy. Like if you had a question to me, if I randomly met you on the street or in a bar and you were telling me what you really wanted to do with your life and and this is your dream, I would take as much time as I had to help you achieve your dream. And that's just like I, I remember this and that's just kind of who I am. Like I'm an authentic person like that. Nathan's the same way. Like if if Nathan was somewhere and he had time and you were telling him what he was in, what your interests were, he would listen to you. He would he would try to make recommendations if he thought it was helpful because that's who we are as people. We're authentic. Like we really do like probably annoy people around us whenever they start talking about how great government is because we hate it so much. And that's just who we are as people. We're going to be genuine with it, but we're very nice people. We try to be good people. And um and Nathan, I'm sorry. I'm really just I had you on as a guest and I'm just talking. So <laughs> No, that that's very authentic of you, Drew. It is. Yeah, I yeah. just I just talk too much. But but it's real though. It's uh when I do when I do my podcast, my podcast is just a reflection of who I am and the things that I'm going through and the things I'm passionate about. And a lot of times I, I do things on my show and I, this has been like a long running theme. I do things on my show that are that I know are going to drive listeners away, especially because of the networks that I'm on. I know that on certain networks, when I say certain things, I'm going to turn off a large percentage of that of that listening audience. And I don't care because I'm not worried about pleasing the people that are not the right fit for me. Anyways, I'm worried about staying true to myself and staying true to the people that do resonate with what, what I have to bring. And it, one of the things that they kind of get into it is you can't please everybody. And if you try to please everybody, you're not going to please anybody. And by being authentic, by being really who you are, you're going to be able to attract the people that are that that find who you really are appealing and those people are going to learn to know like and trust you those people are going to be the ones that want to do business with you that want to see you succeed that want to succeed right alongside you and if not if you're just like the typical used car salesman that just hits everybody with the same pitch that's this really uh bland, politically correct, uh, vague, all-encompassing pitch that's not going to offend anybody, you're not really going to win anybody over. And you see this, this is one of the things that is kind of like, um, I, I see as, as one of the things that really holds a lot of people back is in podcasting and in business in general is this idea that they have to make their product or their service or their podcast accessible to everyone who might listen to it. And you're not going to, you're not going to have those people that will be sure to be there every single week. If that's how you're, if that's how you're going to approach it, you're going to, if anything that you're going to do, that's going to be great. You're going to create haters. You're going to create people that aren't comfortable with it. And that's actually a sign that you're doing it correctly. If you've got nobody criticizing you, if you've got nobody hating on you, that's a pretty good indication that you're not being authentic. And if you want to be successful, I've known from my podcasting experience, the things that I do where I draw a line and I say, look, I understand that this isn't the popular opinion. I understand that I'm going to turn a bunch of people away. 
but this is how I feel and I can't do anything but be real with it. Every time I draw one of those lines in the sand, yes, I lose a bunch of listeners, but then I end up gaining more listeners back and the ones that stick around hit me up and they say, thank you for, for being real with that. Thank you for being the only person out of all the podcasts I listen to. Thank you for being the one that had the balls to step up and say that. And yeah, you're going to lose some people. Yeah, you're going to rub some people the, the wrong way. But you want real people. You want people who really value you, not people who just value this uh, you know, politically correct version of yourself that you present, not people who like the Facebook Photoshop version of you. You want people who love you and, and, and like you and trust you and know you and, and are there to support you because of who you are, not because of who you present to the world. Yeah, and I think a great example... One that I can stick out, which actually really um, stuck out in my mind, was when I first started listening to you, I, so my first, like, kind of, I guess, getting into the internet world and networking and getting with Twitter was Ron Paul. I love Ron Paul. I thought Ron Paul is the answer. When I first started becoming a libertarian, I saw freedom to fascism, and Ron Paul was talking on freedom to fascism, and then... I don't know, like, I just was like, man, this is the only guy that makes sense, blah, 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 blah. And I thought he was awesome, and I didn't get why, you know, Penn Jillette didn't like him, and a lot of people didn't like him, and, you know, if people would talk crap on Ron Paul, internet fans would go crazy and spam them, just about, just like kind of truther people do. And um, and one thing you did on one of your shows, you did a whole show about why Ron Paul was kind of a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, and it wasn't even like you were... You didn't even like say anything too bad about him, but I'm sure you lost listeners, but you were honest with what you thought. And when you made, when you, you did that show, then you had Ben Stone show attached to it. Like, I was like, man, like, yeah, I'm, I didn't realize Ron Paul was suing ronpaul.com. I really lost a lot of respect for him and thought he went against his own values just for some monetary gain. And I think, and that really goes against, and that really is like what hurt, Ron Paul, for me, is that I didn't think he was being authentic. And uh, just to kind of um, talk about the law of authenticity and kind of wrap that up. And then the, the last one, the law of receptivity. And, and so, and I think, you know, something that, um, and do you feel like we're ready to move on? You think yeah, absolutely. Like, so, and I think like, so the law of receptivity for me is everything. I think that you know, coming up, like I, I was personally, uh, I wanted to have money, but I hated sales for a long time because I thought salespeople were sleazy because it was a lot of it because of the way that I, I was kind of grown up and I thought every salesperson I met was kind of full of shit. And I didn't realize that there was, you know, as Zig Ziglar would say, there's a difference between a con man and a salesperson. Like, you know, when somebody says to me, you could sell ice to an Eskimo, I'd be like, no, man, I, I couldn't because that's a shitty thing to do. Like, yeah, that's, that's an insult. Yeah, like that's a con man. And there's a difference between a con man and, and a salesperson. Now, there's a lot of con men that get in sales. There's a lot of con men that, that are going to try to tell you you need something when you don't. And I even at work today, um, you know, I think sometimes I'm too nice to people because, you know, I don't. I'll I sometimes will get conceited in a sense and I'll be like you don't really need that They're like no but I want this and I'm like okay so I'll go with them and maybe like I'll make my professional opinion and 
and sometimes it's not always you know it's it's not as much money on the board as people might like or something like that but i don't care because the bottom line is what's important for me is that i feel good about me in my interactions with people in my work because that's my you know that's that's everything but the the point of what i'm trying to say is is that like you know it's okay to do stuff and feel like and and receive benefits for your good work i feel like a lot of times a lot of artists, anybody, whenever they start out in a field, um, it's hard for them to think that, to, to put this value on themselves. And it's the weird thing is like the law, all these laws really all go hand in hand. I don't feel like you can have one without the other. And, and like, especially this law, like if you don't have those other four, you know, you could, you could take money from people, but that's a lot different than receiving it. Like I, I know one thing, my friend, Joel, I talk about him a lot because he's my business partner in the foreign thing. And, you know, he's been a big inspiration to me. And he's, he's a good friend of mine. And Joel has these delicious eggs um, that we have from our chickens. And they're mainly his chickens. That's his 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 part of the business. And he's got, like, he had six chickens that are laying. We have, we're about to have 40, which is really exciting. But the eggs are so good. It's better than any egg you can ever get at a grocery store. Like, you just put them in a bowl and you look at them and you can tell there's a difference. The yolk is orange. It tastes so much better. Uh, that that when you use the eggs to cook with, it tastes better. And Joel was only charging people three dollars for a carton of eggs, and I'm like, Joel, you it costs five dollars to get six eggs of cert, some of the best eggs, and they're not even as good as your eggs. And one time we're at the farmers market, and one of our customers, one of our loyal customers that came every week, kind of cornered Joel and said, Joel, you need to charge more money for these eggs. I'm just going to start paying you $5 because you need to charge more. And Joel kind of had this, this wasn't an issue. Joel just thought he was trying to be fair. And then when she said that to him, Joel's like, yeah, I guess I should really start charging more money for my eggs. And it's, it's kind of like, and, and I guess the whole point is, is that it's like, you know, you have to be ready to receive it. And I, and I don't blame Joel for charging low because he was wanted to be fair in his community. But his community told him, no, we want to pay you more money because we think this is that much better. So, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a good thing too. So not only the law of receiving when it comes to money, but also be, listen, like listen to your customers, listen to, to your audience, listen to what they have to say, because they're sharing with you most of the time, like you're going to get that one asshole that just complains about everything and fuck that guy or that girl. But for everybody else, they're giving you honest feedback because they care about you and they want to see you succeed. Well, um, also, I think one of the things that a lot of us miss, a lot of people that I know, these first four laws are kind of intru- or intrinsic in them. They understand that a lot of people I know want to give. A lot of people I know get a really warm feeling knowing that their efforts helped somebody else. A lot of people I know want to help as many people as they possibly can, whether they want to provide entertainment or they want to actually help somebody solve problems. The majority of people I know really like helping other people. Um, so these first four laws about giving are very, they, they go against what you've been taught to think about capitalism and they, they go against what the, the propaganda tells you makes you a successful capitalist. But the last law is the one that I struggle with. And I know everybody I know that's a very giving person always struggles with receiving. It's, yeah. it's always one of those things that like personally me, and I've gotten a lot of flack over this. I took the donate button off of my website because 
I don't want to be like a charity liberty uh, spokesman. Like I'm preaching the good word of liberty. Now let me pass the collection plate. Like I don't want to be that way. And partially, I understand that it's because I do have a problem receiving. Um, and a lot of people I know that are very giving do have a problem with receiving. And we've been we've been brainwashed with this. In the book, they they mention what's the first thing that you that you are that you can remember from your childhood about being taught about giving and receiving. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's, it's better in, to give it's better to, re- to give than to receive, and that's absolutely bullshit, man. I mean, if people want, like, here's the thing: like, if somebody has a gift and you deny it, like, it's so rude. Like, just accept <laughs> it. Like, accept it, it because it's like. Like, who are you to say that you're too good for somebody's gift? Like, and I get it. If somebody's just trying to buy stuff for you and it's they're doing it in a sleazy way, it's one thing. But, like, let's say it's, like, someone who genuinely just, like, I've seen it all the time. I've seen some comics that, like, are really cool. Like, Dean Del Rey, I want to say for an example because he's my friend and he's not even, like, that famous of a comic yet. Like, he will be. Like, he's going to be because he does... I feel like he really kind of encompasses this book really well. Um, but Dean, like, every time that I've had a show for him, Dean, like, if somebody brings him a gift, he treasures it, and he makes sure we take good care of it, and he makes sure that, like, when he gives it to us, that, you know, I need you to take good care of this. This guy gave this to me, and I want to make sure I bring it back home. And, like, he he appreciates every aspect because this is, like, a second performing arts career for him before he was a musician worked at a Harley dealership for three years. And then he's like, fuck it. I'm going to become a comic. I'm not going to do this anymore. And, and I think like, he's so grateful to just be able to make a living. And he is one of the funniest comics I've seen. Like can like my fit. Fa- he's probably my favorite comic right now. And, and Dean like does this so well. Like I, every show, a fan will bring him a gift, a podcast listener they want to talk to him about the podcast. He gives them his their time, loves hearing what their input, like just really enjoys getting to know these people. Or like we went to um, this restaurant in Toronto called Aft, and it's the best barbecue in the world. And like we go there for like uh, dinner before their show, and these other these fans are really like, "Hey, we're here because you recommended it," and it makes Dean's day. Not because he sees a fan there, but because they took his recommendation because they enjoyed listening to him and like talk about it so much. So I think like um I think that's 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 uh I, I, I just wanted to give him as an example because I feel like when I when I was reading this part or hearing this part and just hearing you that, it made me think of Dean. So I hope that made sense. Yeah, and I to just kind of wrap it up, uh the way that I feel about it is is you can't if you want to give like most of us do, somebody has to receive. Yeah. And if you're in the position where you've given to somebody a lot and they want to give back and you're not open to that receiving, you have, de- like you mentioned, you've denied them the same, the the warm feelings that you get from giving the, the sense of gratitude, the sense of importance, the sense of, of, benefiting other people that you get when you give when somebody tries to compensate you and give back to you you've basically and you say no no I can't accept that you've basically shut them down and you've you've made it to where it's kind of selfish it's kind of selfish to say I'm the only one that deserves to get these good feelings that go along with giving 
and I'm not going to receive and allow somebody else to get these good feelings because I'm caught up on my preconceived notions about how it's too bad to receive. It's not good to receive as, as much as it is good to give. And really, when you come down to the balance of the universe, and, and this is kind of a little bit woo-woo, and I'm not trying to be that way, but I'm just going to be real with it. Everything is, you. it's all a balance. In order for a giving to happen, a receiving has to happen. In order for us to breathe oxygen, plants have to breathe in carbon dioxide and create oxygen. And so in order for the tide to come in, it also has to be pulled back out. In order for your heart to expand, it also has to contract. In order to breathe out, you also have to breathe in. One is not better than the other. The two can't exist without the other. It's the yin and the yang of the universe. And and if you base your life off of giving, 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 the only way that you can make the universe balance out is by also getting over your hang up about receiving. And that's, that's what it really points out in this book. What I really took away from it is that capitalism itself, the nature of private property and trade, the, the concept that human beings can flourish in a society where they respect each other's property, they trade with each other, they give to each other, and they're willing to receive from each other. It's perfectly in line with nature. It's what our natural law indicates that we're supposed to be doing. And when we follow it, and we don't try to put this kink in the hose at any one of these five laws, if you put a kink in the hose at any one of these five laws, you're going to corrupt the system. But if you follow all five of these laws, and you have a society full of people that fully embrace these five laws, you have a society full of givers, full of people who are also willing to receive, and you have a society full of abundance. And contrary to what we're constantly told, if you look at the standard of living of countries that have more relatively free markets versus countries that have no freedom of property and no freedom of trade at, you know, whatsoever, the societies that have more of a free market are the ones that always have the highest standard of living. And it's because it's in our, it's, it's consistent with the, what the natural law of the universe of, of the planet of how we communicate value to each other. Capitalism is the natural law. And when you embrace these five laws that go along with it, you, you get the best out of a free market capitalist system. Well, I thought that, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I thought about making fun of people, but I won't because that was like a really good point. I was going to say, I thought that all these socialist countries live so great, but, um, they really, (laughs) (laughs) Denmark has free healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's just, people don't understand, like, look, like it's free healthcare, but it like, it's only as good. I mean, look, it's free healthcare that takes 80% of your income in taxes. Well, not only that, but I mean, they, they tax high, but like for something, anything that's free is only going to be so good. I mean, look, if you want long lines, if you want to get on a waiting list to get like a, a surgery that they don't, that the government doesn't feel is, is, uh, the government doesn't feel is, um, life threatening, then, then that's great. I mean, that you have private insurance options, so you can do that. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that, I mean, look, people, people are going to do what they're incentivized to do. So if there's incentives in place that go against, you know, something that makes sense, like common sense, then people are going to exploit it. I think, you know, the way Canadian doctors get paid is, is pretty nuts. Like they, they can get, they get paid per patient or something crazy like that. So they'll 
literally try to see as many patients as they can in a day just because they'll make more money. I mean, there's there's a lot of different things. I mean, why do you, I mean, the whole idea of uh, no risk with, with something, oh, the government's going to back this up. So I, I'm, you know, we don't have to worry about taking a risk. I think it's silly. Like, I think when you take a risk with something, it actually means more. I think it, it actually teaches you something. It, it makes you care about something. It makes you pay attention more. It's It's just like, for me, going to college, I think a lot of people that go to college, um, they're they're just doing it. And they're 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 it's this rubber stamp. And the reason why I'm saying that because it was for me. Like I went to college and I was probably the worst person I have ever been when I was in college. Because even when I like, <laughs> was in dr- was a drunk and I hated myself and I was like an, a working adult, like, I was still a nice person. I wasn't like an asshole. I just had some 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 self-loathing issues. But when I was in college, I thought I knew everything. I thought that I probably the worst work ethic ever because I thought like, oh, I'm in college, like this job's below me. Um and you know, I, and I and I really am thankful that I somehow got out of this funk. I think it was when I um was going through all these different careers. And like here's the thing, like people treated me shitty. But I probably warranted the way people were treating me because I did have this this conceited attitude. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm grateful that I did have that conceited attitude because now I'm here where I am today. So I don't. It's kind of a weird weird thing to think about. But the bottom line is, is there's so many. I think there's so many people in college now who are aren't going there to get an education. They're just going there to to get a risk, or maybe their parents are paying for it, so they don't. Um, they don't they don't take it seriously they don't take it like versus when i always remember when there was like a somebody like an older adult that'd be in class with me they always like they were kind of annoying when i was when i was a freshman not because they like were dumb or anything but it was just because they actually gave a shit about their education so they'd ask questions to the professor and they'd hold up the lecture when i'm like oh i just need these notes so i can take this home and pass this test where they're like, oh, hold up, I'm, I'm paying for this education. I want to hold you accountable for it, and and it's if that makes sense. I don't know if that made sense what I'm saying. So, um, so the whole point is, is that if you want something for free, you're gonna get it. It's gonna be shitty. It's never gonna be. <laughs> that's that's and, and you're not it. gonna value it, and you're no, not gonna take at, advantage of it to its full potential. Like look at an Obama phone, man. Like an Obama phone, like it has the worst reception. It's free. There's no customer service for it. Look at Gmail, right? So Gmail's great. Everybody uses it. Try getting customer service for Gmail if you're if it locks you out. Same with Facebook, right? Let's say Facebook just decided that your account was corrupt or something goes wrong in the coding with Facebook and now whenever you log in, it's a white screen. Good luck getting customer support to help you. I mean, right. it's, it's a free service. They don't give a fuck. Well, let's let's tie this back to the book. Um I just want to say, you kind of mentioned if, if you get something for free, if you're just on the taking end, you're not going to value it. It's not going to be nearly as good. It's not going to be the, the people that are giving it to you are not going to ha- really have your best interest in mind. And what I really like about this book is there's five laws and only one of them are about getting all f- the first four previous ones are all about giving. And that's really what it comes down to in life is the more you give, the more you are rewarded. And that's kind of why I'm such a proponent, not not really utilitarian wise, but 
it's one of the things that people kind of gloss over when they talk about capitalism in general is, is the concept of the more you give, the more you are rewarded. And people that only want to take don't really like that. And, and a lot of the people that I grew up with, and including myself for a long time, I grew up very entitled feeling like, well, the 1% have all of this and I deserve my fair share and blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until I held that mentality for a long time and I was very bitter about having to work and not feeling like I was getting paid what I was worth. And it wasn't until I even late into my podcasting career where I really, where I really started to embrace the natural law that is encoded in the free market system. It wasn't until I started to embrace that and started saying, okay, what can I give with my podcast? What can I give to my community? What can I give to Drew Sample? What can I give to the other people that are involved in our mastermind? What can I give to people? And once I started asking myself, what can I give? All of a sudden, opportunities started flowing back at me. Success started flowing back at me. And sometimes there's hiccups. Yesterday, we launched BlastPod, our new software. Didn't get a single sign up the first day. I don't think we've gotten a single sign up today either. So it's not all like give in the universe will like the the law or the the law of attraction and the, the, and the yeah it's not like that but it is I have consistently noticed the more you give the more people want to give back to you and the more you take the more you think that you you deserve people to give back to you and and really that just causes resentment and coming from both sides of the line from 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 growing up on welfare and having a, a huge sense of entitlement that the world owed me and the and the 1% owed me to where I'm at now where I'm trying to give as much as I possibly can and I'm seeing that I'm actually getting more back as far as success goes as far as um being able to network with people as far as just a a good feeling about what I'm adding to the world I'm so thankful that I didn't get stuck in only being a, you know only being stuck on that fifth law of what can I receive from the universe and realizing how important the first four laws about giving were. And, and I think that, uh, I think that's a good place to end. Yeah, episode. absolutely. So we're going to end it here, but first let's do a quick commercial. Well, I'll do one. So if you like, if you want to start a podcast, Nathan has done some pretty awesome stuff. So he's got videos for you. He's got everything for you. The perfect thing. If you want to learn what, what equipment to buy, everything, Go to podcastblastoff.com, um, sign up, be be the first to sign up. How cool would that be? Be the first person to sign up at Podcast Blast Off. By the time this releases, I'm sure there's going to be more than one person signed up, but sign up. Like, to, if you've... No, actually, stop. Don't sign up. If, if, if you're somebody who's got a podcast and you understand how important it is to have a website for your podcast like Drew was and like I was... If you're somebody that's that is podcasting and you want to take it to that next level and you want to have it be made incredibly simple for you so that you can have your hosting and your website all in one spot and you can focus your time on creating your podcast rather than worrying about how to manage a website, then sign up. Everybody else, I hope you enjoyed this interview and I don't want anything <laughs> from you. But if if you are one of those people that is my target audience that's trying to bring your podcast to the next level and you want to get off of hosting at TalkShoe or Blog Talk and you want to actually have a presence for your podcast on the internet, 
then check out podcastblastoff.com. Um, but everybody else, you I really hope you, you know just what, enjoyed dude? this. What if what if you want to start a podcast? What if they listen to us and they're like, I'm inspired. I want to start I my do own have, podcast. Okay. If you are somebody that wants to start a podcast, I actually have a free course. Here it is, me giving again. I put a, I put together a five a five step course on how to create a really kick ass podcast. Um, we're adding to that course. We're actually gonna we're adding some extra credit on how to monetize your podcast. We're also gonna add a, a segment on how to come up with constantly being able to create um, content for that podcast. I've been doing my podcast Live Free FM for. Um, gosh, since 2011. And before that, I was doing Ghosts of the Republic Radio and Sovereignty Sundays. So I've been podcasting since like 2008. And I've got it down. I know how to do it. I've launched plenty of successful podcasts. Um, I love I love helping people bring their voice to the world. That's, I love podcasting because it's, it's like the Gutenberg Press of the modern century. It's, it's the way that puts the power of the media in your hands. If you're somebody that wants to take advantage of the opportunity that you have now to to start a podcast and and get your message out there, get the the word about your product out there or your service or just the idea that you're trying to sell the world, um, podcasting is a great way to do it. And I love helping people do that. So if you are one of those people, definitely head over to podcastblastoff.com. And uh, if you want to take the course, I think you can find it at podcastblastoff.com slash course. And you can sign up there and get our free course on on how to really start off your podcast with a bang and make sure that you're doing it the correct way. So uh, yeah, I love to give away. And if you're one of those people that does want to start a website for your podcast, I'd love to receive some of your money. There you go. Also, if you like gardening and you want to start your own little urban farm and you want to make it profitable, I highly recommend you check out the affiliates website, my friend Curtis Stone. Um, if you're looking to, you know, just just figure out how to how to do bio biointensive farming for a profit in your backyard, and you know, if if you, I I would do it for the education first, like that's what I'm doing with this, and then you know, the next year look to maybe really hone in on what crops you want to grow to make some money. But even if you could just make an extra 200 bucks a week at a farmer's market for the summer, I think it's worth it. I mean, go and network. Farmer's markets are great, personally. I shared a story earlier, so I'm going to leave it at that. So if you're interested in, in profitable gardening or urban farming, check out Curtis's site. There's a there's a link right at the bottom, right at the right-hand side. You'll see Curtis's smiling face holding some beautiful vegetables. Check it out. See if you're interested in it. And that's it. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Drew Sample. Follow at the Sample Flower on Twitter. Follow Nathan on Twitter. Nathan doesn't have the biggest Twitter presence. He's awesome on Facebook. Um, like that Live Free FM on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Live Free FM. And if you if you want to connect with me, um, I I'm very uh, open to people friending me on Facebook as long Same as here. as long as you're not um, just gonna troll my posts i do Same. i used to not block people but i do <laughs> yeah drew drew's trolling my posts i'm gonna block him i do want to say though thank you for bringing me on today i, I this yeah, was an man. awesome conversation yeah man i had a blast it went way longer than the your normal sample or my ones that my friends usually do because i just like talking to them um yeah not a problem go to twitter at live free fm follow nathan um and that's it guys appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk Been to you again soon for a 
It's like I saw it all and now I finally get it Wisdom achieved from doing what I believe And I plan to do more before I'm finished One goal met, another set It's never enough And when all's done, I'm settling up I'm living the life Out of mind, out of sight, out of spite And they say it's trying messing it up But I'm a man Free falling from the heights of unreachable plans But I won cause I took a chance So when I land, I never have to hold regret And I earn respect for who I am Now that's real, realer than a rap deal I saw many cats lose it all for this music Yeah, I'm thinking how would that feel God gave you this gift, so use it Come on Totally written yet. Still determining my path. 